This week we start out an adventure. An adventure with Aaron and reading a book. Where this adventure may take us is anyone's guess at this point. Primarily because this is not a book you normally will read for entertainment, for fun. It's definitely not light reading. It's definitely heavy reading. And not just the heavy reading is as far as the concepts talked about, but also heavy as in the language and the structure of the sentences used. So this week we're going to start going over J.I. Packer's uh, very classic book called Knowing God. This will be part one of who knows how many, depending on how many chapters are done at a time. This was recorded on 129 Johnson, I forever love that lovely little <laughs> laugh thing that you do or sneeze thing sneeze. that you do. So, yes, this week we are starting Knowing God. Uh, just This is the IVP Signature Collection Edition. Mm. In other words, it was published, oh, I believe in, yeah, 2021 is this format's publishing. It was originally published in 1973. Mm. And then Back in, it says text Americanized in 1993. Oh. And then they did another thing update in 2018, and then obviously 2021. Now, this book is considered a classic in the Christian library. <laughs> it has over a million copies sold. Wow. Yep. It It's something that people say, hey, this is essential to read. I don't know if you read any of the forewords or not. Uh, they, there's like a forward from each edition of the book that's included in here, oh. which is interesting to read and all that. So there's a forward to the signature edition, which was written by Kevin Van Hoser or Van Hoser or oh. Hooser, whatever. But anyways, he says that this book was the first book. I'm quoting him. The first book I gave to the woman who would later become my wife. Wow, what a gift. C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia was the second. <laughs> and he says, it proved to be an apt choice. Packer's one of the handful of authors I've met who lived up to, and in his case, surpassed the mental image I had constructed through reading his works. Now, J.I. Packer, he was born in 1926, passed away in 2020. Whoa. Yep. So not that long ago, pretty recently. So this this edition of the book was only printed a year after his passing. Now, whoa! I say all this because this is considered a classic. Okay, mm-hmm. I do have some qualms right away, but no. that but these are qualms that are not things that would stop me from reading the book or from just you know saying, "Hey, I don't recommend it." 
Right. When you talk about differences in uh, theology between groups or people or things like that, you say primary issues, secondary issues. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those mean? I mean, primary being important, secondary. Yeah, yeah primary being like line in the sand type of things. Yeah. Secondary means, Debatable. you know what, we can dis- disagree about it, but mm-hmm. we can go on. Yeah. So while reading the first four chapters, that's all we're covering today. Something that came out to me over and over and over and over again. And I said, man, he must be this. There is no way he is not this. I wrote it down. And then I looked it up later and I was like, I was right. <laughs> and, nice. and for me, I will say this is a thing that if I was what he is, I don't know if I could fully understand this book properly. Hmm. And, 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 and even though he wrote it. And the reason is, okay, let me what you say. So J.I. Packer follows the Calvinistic traditions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the Calvinistic no. traditions are? Well, besides um, the predestination kind of thing. Okay. That's about it. I don't know what else there is to it. Okay. So you don't know anything else about that. Okay. So there is a lot with Calvinism that just kind of is like, it is weird. So. Have you heard the phrase tulip? No. No. Okay, we're going to have some fun here. Yay, education. Yeah. So tulip stands for the five points of Calvinism. Oh. All right. Okay. So the first point, the T of tulip, mm-hmm. being total depravity. Total depravity. Depravity, eh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So total depravity says that as a consequence of the fall of man to sin, every person is enslaved to sin. People are not by nature inclined to love God, but rather to serve their own interests and reject the rule of God. Okay. Okay. And and that one I can kind of get along with. That one Mm -hmm. I really don't have really have an issue with, right? Right. Here's where I start having issues. Yeah. (laughs) Unconditional election. The U in TULIP. Okay. This asserts that God has chosen from eternity those whom he will bring to himself, not based on foreseen virtue, merit, faith. Rather, his choice is unconditionally grounded in his mercy alone. God has chosen from eternity to extend mercy to those he has chosen and to withhold mercy from those not chosen. This comes into the predestination of chosen or not chosen. Right. In other words, Aaron, if you or I were not selected by God in whatever point in time to be given grace, extended grace to, there is nothing we could do according to this. Uh, at that point, I just quote unquote live my best life and go reckless. But Yeah, but how would you know if grace has been extended to you or not? I know. That's terrifying to think about. <laughs> yeah, but think about this way also at the same time. Hmm. A person who is trying to live their best life, not their best life, but a godly life, yes. right? A Christ following life. They think they're doing, according to this, they may not have grace extended to them. And even though they want to believe in Christ, they want his forgiveness. They want the salvation. They can't because grace hasn't been extended to them. That is, that's, I'm, I wonder, I guess, I mean, I can imagine 
there being obviously verses that lead them to have that belief. But I, I guess my thing with that then is, I mean, oh my gosh, that is so weird. Because then, then what's the point in, you know, outreach and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and, and I have that those same questions with people who are like hardcore Calvinists, right? So let, let's continue on. Yeah. So that's the you unconditional election. In other words, you have no say if you're going to get the grace or not. Yeah. It's unconditional. Limited atonement, the L in Tulip, asserts that Jesus's substitutionary atonement was definite and certain in his purpose and in what it is accomplished. This implies that only the sins of the elect were atoned for by Jesus's death. In other words, if you're not one of the elect, sorry, that atonement is not for you. Hmm. Irresistible grace. Asserts that the saving grace of God is effectually applied to those whom he has determined to save, that is, the elect, and overcomes their resistance to obeying the call of the gospel, bringing them to saving faith. This means that when God sovereignly purposes to save someone, that individual certainly will be saved against their will, regardless of what they want to do. Regardless of, okay. And then the last P, perseverance of the saints, asserts that since God is sovereign and his will cannot be frustrated by humans or anything else, those whom God has called into communion with himself will continue in faith until the end. I, I am not, the, the only one I can even get on board with is the first point. The first one. And outside of that, guess what? I, I, I can't. I am nowhere near Calvinist. I remember having this conversation with uh, a small group of mine when I had just moved back to Wisconsin. And the guy, and I'm friends with him still, you know. Why? I, you know, and it came down to, you know, we had this discussion. He's like, it's like, who of you here are, you know, Calvinists? And basically everyone raised their hand. And then he goes, he looked at me. He's like, then what are you? I'm like Armenian in my theology leanings. <laughs> Only because, I, you know, I, I, that free, that free will and, and that kind of speak. It kind of is there from the Bible. Now, I am horrible at being able to describe the difference between the two. Yeah. Um, Mike Winger has done an excellent video, uh, actually sermon, on the difference between Armenian, Armenianism and Calvinism. Would recommend checking out if you hmm. haven't or if you're interested in more learning about it. But anyways, that is my, like, n- going into this book, realize Packer is a Calvinist. Yeah. Okay. Which means, guess what? If you're not one of the elect, there's no way you can know God. <laughs> Which I'm just like, that's why I said early on, I don't know if I was hit a guy that followed in his theological bent, if I could, would even purchase this book because there's no guarantee. (laughs) That's so, okay. So now you can, I don't know, respond. However you spent, I guess one of the verses that came to mind when I was thinking of the whole, you know, people will, I guess, want salvation and live and, you know, do things. For a Christ in a sense, but then will be turned down. Mm-hmm. The verse that came to mind was not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Right. Okay. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, 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 prophesy yeah, in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is uh, 
Hebrew. I don't know where to go, where to go, where to go, where to go. Oh, wow. I'm an idiot. No, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. 21 through 23. So that's the only. So, yeah. So, and when you talk with the Calvinists, they'll use that as one of their. Right. Their, I don't know, their proof text. Yeah. But read the next part here. Okay, so build your house on the rock, uh, verse 24 and on. Okay, I'll just read that whole little section. Uh, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like, a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now, so, and yeah, so, so those two right there, right? Right. So th- you could use the, I never knew you segment 21 through 23 as like, you know, as the hammer, you know, like saying, Hey, this is, this is, this proves it, right? This is what it says. But then you go down the next segment, 24, 27. Right. It's like, wait, 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 wait. It's saying those who do what I say versus those who don't do don't. what I say. So it's people that are claiming that they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but truly did not. Right. And then, cause even the section before it, 15 through 20 talks about the tree and its fruit. So beware of, Okay, so yeah, I mean, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. <laughs> That's another thing that Candace said that Crowder was a wolf and sheep, wolf and sheep's clothing. Yeah, yeah whatever. Okay, whatever. Bye, Candace. All right, sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> you will recognize them by their fruits. Oh, I'm sorry, sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs? from thistles so every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire thus you will recognize them by their fruits gosh dang that'd be a great uh uh, verse to say to a coworker because we we're talking about how, as far as like you know, having the spirit within you as a follower of Christ, kind of thing. And then the, the thing was, well, then how do you know the spirit's in you? And I was like, well, I was like, shoot, what? I was trying to think of like how to put that. I was like, I mean, because it's you see, like, they're, I guess I was thinking of the word fruits, but I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. um, you'll see by I was gonna say like the growth and stuff like that. But then I guess I just already imagined their comeback being, I was like, well, what if they're just a good person and just become better as a standard person, whatever, throughout time and all this other stuff. Anywho. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, there is evidence to prove as far as who is the real deal and who is not the real right. deal. And there is this theological bent between Arminianism and Calvinism, and it's been going on for a long time now. It's not going to be solved anytime soon because, you know, there's going to be people writing books on each side and why each side is correct and why each side is wrong, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Know that going into this book. Okay. Right. The other thing to know about Packer, I didn't know this. I didn't pick up on this in his book at all. It's only I picked up because I started doing research on him, mm-hmm. as I tend to do about things. Yeah. He is actually 
Let me pull up my note here to make Z. sure I have this correct. Carmenian? What? 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 <laughs> or a Calmenian? Uh, he is a theistic evolutionist. Oh. So by the your reaction, I'm going to assume you know what that means. Maybe. Well, I'm... All right. This is what I think you mean. Okay. Well, I'm guessing he believes in evolution. Or that evolution was used. All right. But... What what specifically is theistic evolution? The, well, okay, maybe the. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Lay it on me. What is it? Okay, I don't know what the theistic part is. Well, what does the what would theistic be? I don't know. So I say I don't know what that God, is. or God guided. So it was God using evolution, right? God guiding. That's literally evolution. As as it was okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Goodness. So he so, believes God did use evolution as a means to create. Right. So essentially theistic evolution is the belief that evolution is real, but that it is set in motion by God and that evolution occurred as biologists describe it, but under the direction of God. Now, which, okay. Yeah. Within theistic evolution, there are some subcategories, you know, oh. as far as like, it could be big bang theory or it could be, you know, God just suddenly using the laws of nature to guide evolution. Okay. But yes, he is theistic evolution, evolutionist. Theist. So okay. just keep that in mind, you know, Interesting. Wh- wh- whether you're for that or against it, just, you know, keep it in mind. It's always good to keep in mind about the author, especially when you're reading a book about theology. That's probably smart. Yeah, and, and to this, see where they're coming from. And this is a book. Knowing God is a book about theology. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No. Why are you saying no? Well, there's no if, ands, or buts. Okay. Um, uh, Interesting. So the other thing to know, uh, he wasn't really embroiled in any controversies during his time. The, the most controversial he had was that he signed a document saying that the Catholics and essentially non-Catholics, everyone else Protestant, okay. should work more together and be more compatible in their theology essentially that's that's okay. the extent of his of his uh controversy which so it doesn't seem like anything too crazy it's not it's not the worst thing in the world definitely not 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 too bad and then the last thing to know is he comes from the anglican church he he's definitely definitely from that so if you're not familiar with that i'm assuming you're not <laughs> nope okay <laughs> The Anglicanism, or the Anglican Church, is a Western Christian tradition that has developed from the practices, liturgy, and identity of the Church of England following the English Reformation. I guess that makes sense as to why Pastor Briscoe probably, well, got really into this book. Pastor uh, Stuart Briscoe was a local pastor for, well, at some time ago, at Umbrook Church. Okay. And he was an Englishman. Okay, so he probably had... You know, Church of England and that. And and uh Packer is from England as well. So right. makes perfect sense. Yep. Uh so just no, you know, it 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 broke off from like the Catholic Church. It doesn't uh, subscribe to papal authority or anything like that, but it's very much in traditions, a lot of Catholic y things, but that's all right. In in some senses. So just letting you know that that's that's where we got going on here cool. with knowing God, J. I. Packer. Neato. 
So that's all the intro to say. And now obviously there's yeah. three forwards. So if you want to read those three forwards, feel free. I did not. Okay. Because, <laughs> oh boy, that is a lot of stuff to read. Yeah. So that being said. Yeah. Knowing God, J.I. Packer, 2021 edition. Chapter one. Chapter one is definitely something that's going to be. It's setting the tone. Why this book? Why study theology, essentially, is what he's getting at. Okay. You know, that, yeah. that, that, that's the thesis of chapter one. Like, why, why are we going to study this thing, this book, this theology? Because there's so many things. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, uh, 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 so it's right at the end of 17, start of 18 there, right? Uh-huh. It, and he's quoting at this point a sermon from uh, a pastor back from 1855. So a long time the language is a little bit different. Yeah. So he's talking, the pastor um, is basically going on, why do we study theology, right? Mm-hmm. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy, what can ever engage the attention of a child of God, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but when we come to this master science, that is theology, finding that our plumb line cannot sound its depth and that our eagle eye cannot see its height, we turn away with the thought that Vain man would be wise, but he is like a child, a wild ass's colt. And with solemn exclamation, I am but of yesterday and know nothing. No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than the thoughts of God. Now, Mr. Johnson, uh-huh. what is a plumb line? Dude, I was looking up. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what a plumb line is? I mean, absolutely not. Really? The first thing that came to my mind was plumber. <laughs> okay but no yeah I, I like looked it up and then it had it separated so i was like wait well the plum and line uh word separated so i was like that's for pronunciation help so oh, okay a plumb line mm-hmm. so the, it'll separate for pronunciation but it'll be together for that's the word oh well uh, I, I would show you on my screen but i'm not gonna turn my computer around right now anyways a plumb line is a line with a plum attached to it Used for finding the depth of water or determining the vertical of an upright surface. In other words, you use a plumb line to find out how deep yeah. something goes in the water. Right. Yeah, literally when I was typing it out in the computer and I went to go hit enter, it like separated plumb and line when I hit enter. Interesting. And sep- okay, but all right. In other words, so Not it says with the plumb line cannot sound in step. In other words, cannot know... How, how deep d- it goes. Yeah. And their eagle eye cannot see its eye. In other words, we can't see how high it goes. Right. Yeah. I was like, huh. It's referencing the wonderfulness that it says in the Bible, east from the west. East to west, yeah. And, there's- and this was uh, written, this this message that it's talking about was talked was given by C.H. Spurgeon, another one that's oh, the, a famous guy yeah. in, in theology terms. And apparently he was only 20 years old at the time when he wrote that sermon that's in this book here, that little chunk of the sermon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Goodness. So, so it leaves me with that concept of, and that question of, and Aaron, maybe you can answer this for me. I can't. Why, why should we study theology? Why should we? Yeah. Okay. Now, no, this is really simple. 
Okay. Give it to me. But and not not I'm not answering you. <laughs> but theology literally this all it is is the study of God. Right. Well, in studying God, okay, we will hopefully learn to know God. Which I mean, we're called to draw near to him and closer to him and learn more about him by reading his word. I guess that's by reading his word, not books about knowing him. Which I guess we'll get there later. Because there was one thing that stood out to me in some chapter. I don't, it probably wasn't the first one. It was probably later on. But I was like, Anthony, why did you write this book? But I could be completely just lost in why I thought that. But I mean, I mean, literally, I just, I guess it's, it's important to know and understand who God is. Okay. As, I guess as far as, especially as a, uh, a Christian, because then the more we know about Him, the more we know. Like, know his, I guess, his heart. And yeah, 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 that's about it. Okay. Yeah. And, and he kind of gives the answer in here, right? Oh, he does. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I like your answer. I, I, he gives his answer, right? Yeah. He says it's the most important practical project anyone can engage in. He says, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. Mm-hmm. In other words, if we know about God, we know mm-hmm. not. Now about God, if we know God, because there's a difference, and he talks of about knowing that. about and knowing of. Yep. yep. If we know, well, knowing knowing God, knowing about. But if we know God, right? Yes. We know the one who designed and created and set things in motion. Uh-huh. We know how it should work and why it should work and what beauty and joy that could have. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, it, think about it this way. You're a great fan of AVR. Okay? Yes. You knowing the people or one particular person better than most, you know, in the band, right? That allows you a little, I guess you could say at times, potential glimpse because you might be able to have a conversation with them about like maybe something behind one of the songs or something, right? Right. It gives you a little better understanding of it. Why Mm -hmm. it was structured the way it was, why the lyrics are the way they are, why whatever. Yeah. It's better than just this random observer of like, oh, look. There's this. That's how it is. It's a song. How cute. How wonderful. You have a little bit more intimate detail about why it is, and that helps you appreciate it more. Right. That also means that when, you know, he maybe he messes up during a concert, you can be like, hey, I saw that, Aww. but it's okay. <laughs> you know, you're like, you, because you know him, you know what he's doing, and you know what should happen. And you see the deviation from that happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love his little example, but again, us being in America, we don't get it as easy without translation. He said, it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him oh. down without explanation in Trafalgar Square. I had to look up Trafalgar Square. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's just a popular, you know, a popular place to go. Destiny, yeah. yeah. Think about Think about like our our um, New York um, Times Square type thing. Yeah, but yeah. but British make it British. <laughs> um, but fly him there and leave him leave him as one would know nothing of England English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place in life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. 
disregard the study of God and you're sent and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you this way you can waste your life and lose your soul I had that section like highlighted oh yeah why is that well it's starting from the uh the world becomes a strange mad painful place um I mean the world that already is that though <laughs> Right. I guess so that's what I was, I mean, I was kind of thinking, I mean, I guess you have no, I guess, hope or greater thing to look towards without God. So he's already not knowing who he is. So he's already foreshadowing, uh, to, was it chapter two? I think. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's talking about this, mm-hmm. but uh, essentially what he's saying is like, and we'll get to it more in chapter two. He's like, I think it's chapter two. I think don't quote me on that, but I think Mm -hmm. it's chapter two, but essentially he goes like, well, I mean, if we're Christians, we're following God and we know God, we don't have a quote unquote cross to bear. And we'll get into that when we get there. I have a little poem with that, but but that's kind of what he's foreshadowing in that regard. And, And that's why he's saying without that knowledge of God, we have the cross to bear. The world is crazy. In other words, we don't find peace and joy and comfort in, in God. We're, we're finding it. We're trying to find it in the world, oh. which is going to cause us pain and sorrow and all this other stuff. Oh, with with not knowing who God is. Yeah. Yeah. So what in your mind is having a cross to bear? That could be, <laughs> that can be a wide range of things. That's not a necessarily a one size fits all sort of deal. That could be something that okay yeah so this could be anything from what like maybe something that like paul considers the thorn in his side we don't know exactly what it was or as a mental issue an actual physical thing or whatever right it could you know you know paul references that he has the thorn in his side so he doesn't boast sort of the it it could be something like that it could be a hurt or burden that you're dealing with right you know whatever it is and i'm not saying and i want to be clear on this yeah Something that is a quote unquote cross to bear should never be long term permanent thing. And what I mean by that is if you're dealing with something where that's um excessive drinking, excessive whatever, you know, event eventually you need to get help on that and and, and learn that. But oh, that might okay. be something that sticks with you for a while. Like uh it was interesting today at church, you know, they were using the the guy goes the pastor goes i realize most of my uh examples today are about alcohol he goes maybe that means one of you needs help with alcohol <laughs> he goes just throwing it out there um, <laughs> i know it was random it was funny it, it just it, it came up randomly and all that right yeah but maybe it's that guy who or girl don't care either one right that they are an ex-alcoholic they're trying to live right and it it's like that thorn. It's it's mm-hmm. you know it's and, and for ex alcoholics and that they say like one drop and that they can go right back on that bandwagon. So it's not a one size fits all. I would say, if that makes sense. Yeah. So is there a difference between suffering and having a cross to bear? It could be suffering. Okay. No, uh, um, because I I was oh. Again, yeah, I guess a lot of uh, my thought and idea of what a 
or I guess belief of what a cross to bear also has to do is that you're suffering mm-hmm. for Christ's sake kind of thing. So it's in my mind, it was it's more than just having some sort of suffering in general, but it's suffering for Christ kind of thing is having a cross to bear. Right. And, and sometimes that might be suffering for Christ. And sometimes it might be just a hurt or a pain or a burden. Because th- that that phrase, a cross to bear, your, yeah. your cross to bear, it's not, it's very loosey-goosey. Let me put it that way. Wow. If, the, if you get what I mean. Yeah. No, yeah. I guess that's how I've just been explained to, or how that's been explained mm-hmm. to me, is it's more than just hurting in general. Right. It's for a purpose. Yeah, and... We, we like to think, and, and I'll say this in, in as optimistic as a term as possible, we like to think that's the case, that it's always for a good purpose. Well, I mean, and, and, and I would like I, to think that. Right. I guess I'm trying to think of, I mean, if you never suffer, I, yeah, I, I guess because there's a difference between just regular suffering mm-hmm. and suffering for the sake of Christ. So I guess that was, that, that would be now my question is, so is there no difference between just regular suffering and carrying your cross? Yeah, there, deal? there might be. And in, in, in some ways, I might be thinking of it way too simplistic, simplistically. I can, I can definitely. That's something that I should probably look more into as well then, just to yeah. actually back that up. But that was always, I mean, has been my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and may, and maybe when we yeah, and it is I did confirm it is chapter two when he talks about. This. Oh, okay. When he so okay. I might have some more notes around that area as well when we get there that I'm not remembering off the top of my head here off the top. Yeah, and then near the end, the end of chapter nine or not not Chap- chapter nineteen, page nineteen. Page 19. Yeah. I'm not that far ahead. Sorry, <laughs> we'd almost be done. <laughs> yeah, I know. He asks a question: When do we start? In our words, he says. You know, some people are in a storm, basically, says right now, where that storm be, you know, chaos in our lives, whether it be something's wrong, whether we're just busy, whatever, you know, he goes, some of us are in a storm. He goes, that means we have to set out in it. And the doctrine of God is a storm, is the storm center. And do you know what that means? It's the storm center. That's the calm part of the storm. Right. Exactly. So like think of the hurricane, the eye of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. It's that nice calm spot. Mm-hmm. Right. So he goes, what do you do? How do you start? He goes, you, he says, if we postpone our study because of the storms, we'll never get start. We'll never get better. We'll never head out. We'll never right. begin. If, if we're looking for things to be perfect, it's never going to happen. Nope. So it's like, all right, just as you youngins like to say, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, exactly. Just do it. <laughs> and then he, he brings up what he calls the five basic truths, uh, what he calls the five foundational principles of the knowledge about God, which Christians have. So these are the five truths that he is asserting mm-hmm. that he's basically saying hey you should agree with this and this is what it is so first he says god has spoken to man and the bible is his word great 
God is Lord and King over his world. He rules all things for his own glory. Great. I'm not reading the whole thing. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Yep. Uh, God is Savior, active in sovereign love through the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue believers from the guilt and power of sin. Yep. God is triune. They are within the Godhead, three persons, mm-hmm. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the work of salvation is one in which all three act together. Godliness means responding to God's revelation and trust and obedience, faith and worship, prayer and praise, submission and service. So I was like, all right, yep, okay, we're we're good on the five points so far. Yeah. By the way, on page 19 is when I first started going, hmm, Calvinism. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was, a little, it was when I turned to that page and I was like, just skimming through, I was like, oh. There's the word right there. Yeah, uh, that, that, that that was the first clue. That <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> but that's all right. That's okay. But then he, you know, keeps going on, going on, going on, going on, and then he brings up the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the Westminster Shorter Catechism question four is, "What is God?" I think that I find that interesting. That question, what is God, not who is God? But then I, I as I think on the answer, I go, okay, I get why they Makes say, sense. what is God? Mm-hmm. So what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And I don't know if Packer agrees with it or not, but he says Charles Hodge described this as probably the most, as probably the best definition of God ever penned by man. And I was like, "Yeah, okay. I'm. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's really the best, but okay for that time." And then he kind of laments, "Hey, few children are brought up on the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and few modern worshippers will ever have heard of a series of sermons covering the doctrine of the divine character in the way that Sharnock's massive discourses on the existence and attributes of God." From 1682, did. I'm going to guarantee you fewer even still. I had to look up the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I did not go to seminary, so this wasn't on my normal <laughs> reading list or anything. Right. Never heard of this stuff. So I was like, interesting. Then again, it comes back from all, you know, all these older traditions and that, right? Mm-hmm. But as I continue on, one of the questions that kind of stuck out at me, it's on page 21. Okay. Is it in the middle of knowledge applied? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. You have something highlighted there? I mean, I guess it's it's pretty much like the second half of that paragraph. For the fact that we have to face is this. If we pursue theological knowledge for its own sake, it is bound to go bad on us. It will mm-hmm. make us proud and conceited. The very greatness of the subject matter will intoxicate us. And we shall come to think of ourselves as a cut above other Christians because of our interest in it and grasp of it. And we shall look down on those whose theological ideas seem to be crude and inadequate and dismiss them as very poor specimens. For, as Paul told uh, the conceited Corinthians, knowledge puffs up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. First. Corinthians 8, 1 through 2, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I figured, I mean, that's speaking to the haughty, like, all of themselves, people that call themselves Christians, because they have some higher understanding that we little average Joes just can't seem to understand or know kind mm-hmm. of thing. 
Right. And and I find it an interesting warning that he gives that in a book about studying theology. He's like, be careful why you're studying theology, because if you're studying theology just to say theology, then you may become puffed up and conceited. He asks the question a little bit earlier on that page. He goes, what is my ultimate aim and and objective in occupying my mind with these things? Or he says object, not objective, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Weird British English. (laughs) <laughs> so what is my ultimate aim and object in occupying my mind with these things? These things being theology about God. Mm-hmm. What are the, what, what's that purpose? Um, and he continues on the next page and he says, studying to get knowledge is scary. It could be a danger to the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can get so book smart that you lose your heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to start off a book about knowing God. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's it's a warning as yes. well. Yes, it, it's a warning that he's saying, "Hey, be careful on that. Be be weary of this." Yeah, and and I wrote down. In other words, we must desire to learn about God to be led to God. Mm. In other words, if we're just studying to study, to to have that head knowledge, that there's a classic crime song that talks about that, which I love. I think it's Wonder. Have I? Pooped up my head. Yeah. With all the books, books that, that are, I read. Yep. Mm, I do like that song. That That is a, a good song that I like, and it, it it definitely speaks to me on certain things as well. Because we can get so head smart, we can learn so much about something that we forget why. Right. We forget, as they say in the song, the wonder about it. Mm-hmm. We forget... I know when I was going through my depression, that mm-hmm. that was one of those songs that I told Andy. I was like, this is my brain right now. Mm. I was like, this was before I did my inpatient, right? And I said, this is my brain trying to figure out things right now. And, and this line is telling, was I too hungry for the truth to find you? Mm. Mm-hmm. Was I too hungry for theology to intellectually know about God that I forgot to actually know? him mm. you know the, so the again the song is called wonder it's by uh, the classic crime it's track six on how to be human album cover looks like a big old peacock yeah it's all colorful yeah so it's a good song recommend it but mm-hmm. at the same time it, it brings up that the dangers of being so head smart and so knowledge focused first that you forget why that you've lose that wonder that joy part of knowing god part of being with god is a relationship as well not just let me know all the biological facts about god and all the haughty details about him biological well he's a man (laughs) so so there's there's all these things as well that that tie into that so so that's why I said, yeah, it's a good song that fits right with it. I'm glad you brought that song up. It's been a long time since I've heard that one. I mean, it didn't make me have second, didn't make me have second thoughts about, you know, really, uh, I guess, digging into the Bible. I guess I, I guess more, but it didn't. It did put me back a step and be like, oh, why have you been wanting to? I was like, whoa. So I mean, I guess it did make me. Just double check with myself and to see mm-hmm. as far as motives and just so I can have responses either like back to people and whatnot or 
just to, I guess, I guess one up them. Not, not, but just have an answer for them and be like, ah, this is why. Mm. And I mean, they're just going to come up with another thing. Well, what about this? I'm like, Dow. so I don't know. So <laughs> I wish everyone could see you right now when he did that. <laughs> Soon ish, maybe who knows? I don't know. Whatever. There's definitely times where I'm just like, am I just doing it? So I look, I guess literally as I guess to what it was warning about. So I look like I'm knowledgeable in something at least. Good reminder not to, uh, I guess yeah, I'd be studying for re- the wrong, the wrong, wrong reasons. Which is a good way to start off again with the book, yeah, about studying theology. Yeah. Now that's the end of chapter one. I didn't have anything else. I don't know if you did. No, that's all I had. Okay, chapter two. This is where we're going to start talking about the crosses thing. Yeah, because he actually talks about on top of page twenty-five. Yeah. 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 Was I wasn't asleep reading this? I swear. (laughs) All right. So it's the first full paragraph. He goes this, and then I'll stay in my comments. Mm-hmm. He goes, nor, I think, would many of us ever naturally say that in the light of the knowledge of God, which we have come to enjoy, past disappointments and present heartbreaks, as the world counts heartbreaks, don't matter. For the plain fact is that to most of us, they do matter. We live with them as our crosses, so we call them. In other words, so he's saying what our current heartbreaks, our current pains, that's what he's in this Referencing calling our, our crosses. At least that's how we yeah. refer to them. Yeah. Yep. And he says, constantly we find ourselves slipping into bitterness and apathy, blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm-hmm. The attitude we show to the world is a sort of dried up stoicism, miles removed from the joy unspeakable and full of glory, which Peter took for granted that his readers were displaying. First Peter 1 8. Poor souls, our friends say to us, how they suffered. And that is just what we feel about ourselves. In other words, we live with our heartbreaks and our crosses to bear. And we suffer instead of living in joy. That's why I wrote down. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I'm probably thinking the same thing. But so I guess as a, I mean, he's basically just saying like, well, we kind of like throw a pity party for ourselves kind of thing or what? Yeah. In a, in a in, way. In some, in some sense. Yeah. And, and what he's also getting at, and he kind of continues on here in the next paragraph here. Uh, where he says they never brood on might have been. So, okay, so back a second. It goes, uh-huh. but this, but these private mock heroics. That's what he calls, you know, bearing your cross for your burdens. Where have no place at all in the minds of those who really know God. In other words, what he's saying is, anyone who really knows God won't let uh, a, a current hurt or disappointment or something like that come in. Be something that gets you down. In other right. Words. He goes, they never brood on might have beens. They never think of things they have missed, only what they have gained. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say never, but. <laughs> right. And, and, and I get what he's getting at, right? Right. You know, in in a perfect world, oh, okay, I'm a Christian and I am never going to do this. Okay. I get that. And, but I'll add this and what I'm adding obviously is not in the Bible. So it's not, you know, biblical in that sense. So, you know, take it with the a large chunk of salt, a large grain of salt. <laughs> okay. Do with it what you will. Right. There are things which a person may suffer from uh, due to maybe mental health issues where they do. Like I know personally for me, and I'm not trying to say what well, I'm trying to make an excuse for myself. Okay. I know me. Mm-hmm. I know as much as I try 
to live what God says. There are times when my brain just is stuck in a broke mode. Mm -hmm. And it will think on things of might have been's or it the worst is the worst is and i know i was talking with um andy about this the other day mm -hmm. is the racing mind thing where it just creates all these improbable scenarios that always go wrong <laughs> yeah you yeah. know it, and it's always it's like oh this could go horrible blah, blah, blah. right and you know for some people that may be beyond their control just Sometimes it's now there are things that I can do. I will fully admit to make it to calm that down. Yeah. It's, there, it's, there are things I can do to make it better mm -hmm. and not, and no, I can't dwell on it. But there are times when it just happens and I have no control. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm being fully honest. So, what I, the, the thing I would add to that is if, you know, someone, and again, you got to remember when this was written. This was right. Written. This is long this, ago. This was written a while ago. But you got to remember if you're someone dealing with mental health issues or stuff like that, or where maybe your mind is always doing those things, the A, do some self reflection to see if maybe there is something that you're doing yourself, which is causing you to dwell on those things. You know? Right. But at the same time, B, if this is something where it's like, you know, you need medication control it. Don't beat yourself up because, oh, but there are going to be people who are, who, who would imagine people saying something to the fact of you need more prayer and not pills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have heard that comment before yeah. multiple times, actually it still ticks me off to this day. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause it's, I mean, to say that I, I, I mean, Yes, miracles can happen. Sure, that can happen. If you can go forth with prayer and stuff, you, maybe you're miraculously healed. It can happen. I would love that, by the way. Right. On, on multiple things, right. by the way. <laughs> but like, I, I guess I just, I don't understand why God would ever be against a Christian or well, one of his children too take something to help fix what's just physically and literally broken in their body. Like you go to the doctor to get fixed, right? What are you just going to pray a broken limb away? If you went out and got hit and broke something, definitely not. And, and you and, go to a doctor and, and I fully get that. And I yeah. fully understand it. Unfortunately, there are some people that uh, they don't grasp that, mental health specifically let's talk mm -hmm. let's say because the other stuff it. the other stuff you can see if i have That's, a broken arm you're gonna see my arm just hanging there you know at, right. the, at the thing and be like oh look there's bone hanging out yeah something's wrong <laughs> oh blood yeah. oh you can't move his hand blah, blah, blah. you know physically something like that you can see you know i get in car accident you're gonna see me in a cast you yeah. know or whatever yeah a broken brain you're not gonna see my brain broken because you can't see it. You, you might see, see you might see some outward signs of it. Exactly. Yes. You know, you might see me be depressed. You might see me have a racing mind. You might see me where I messaged you even this week where I was like, my brain is telling me these lies, but I have to tell myself these are not the truth scenarios. Right. And it's my brain is going completely counter to reality, but that that's just how broken brains sometimes are. Right. Um, 
much as Which, I wish it wasn't the case. <laughs> and I, I guess I have, I've, I guess I have wondered from time to time as well, as far as, because obviously people in the Bible went through depression. Mm-hmm. Now they didn't have the, I guess, mess. Not, well, I guess I will say they didn't, they don't have the medicinal things we have today. Yeah. Now, back then, I mean, did they have anything for that? And if they did, was or was it all just considered <gasps> evil? I don't know. I I guess like I'm I'm wondering about that now, just as far as from like today compared to then, whatever. And I I mean I remember when church was kind of going over it was the Book of Elijah because he did many great things for God and he was also, but he also had um very like just depressed and low. I don't know, times, I guess, mm-hmm. with himself. Yeah, this was a guy who just did, what, false priests, where he just basically slaughtered them all. He had this oh, big, yeah. big moment for God, proving God, and then he's like, I, I want to go into a cave, uh, 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 go into a cave and die. Right. So it's like, depression and stuff has been, I mean, around since the fall, kind of, you know? Yeah. Because to a point, I do believe, obviously, also in spiritual like being spiritually depraved and where if you're not connected with god i would imagine to Mm -hmm. some degree you are more susceptible to having some sort of depression because then also i mean yes with having belief faith in god and whatnot and believing we're saved i mean we do have that hope of heaven and that um one day we'll be spending well in eternity with god and whatnot and that's glorious so i guess i mean that's but grand scheme of things no i i 100 agree when it's hard to draw that i guess sorry for um just trying to think of where do you draw the line into where somebody needs help medically versus is there just something going on on the inside spiritually that they just they need healing which i mean everybody needs it but obviously there's people well you know i guess i can't say obviously there's people that don't need spiritual healing that don't have mental health stuff. I mean, uh, uh, I guess if there's, are there people that are completely okay as far? I mean, obviously they're not spiritually right with God and whatnot, but I mean, they can live a happy life and be just fine at, and not have obviously like mental health issues, but I guess at some point they've got to have something that's hurting deep down and they just go from one thing after another thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Take it away, Paul. Take it away. (laughs) All right. So first thing I'll say, um, when you were saying, you know, that, you know, some people, you know, it it may be as medical. Some people may be as spiritual. That is definitely the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I will never deny that that cannot be the case. Now, the question that you asked, which is an interesting question, which is, at what point do you decide kind of like what is what mm-hmm. and, wh- and where it is? Yeah. That's kind of like a catch-22. Okay. You know what a catch-22 is? I haven't. I don't know how to put it into words, but like, say it. So a catch-22 is a situation from which there's no escape because of mutually conflicting or dependent conditions. Okay. In other words, what in this situation, right? Yes. There might be a spiritual aspect of it, mm-hmm. but because of that spiritual aspect of it, you like 
okay, let's just say me, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm depressed at this point in time. There may be a spiritual component of it, but because I can't get myself mentally straight in, 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 out of that depression and gloom, I can't get myself spiritually going in the proper mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. In other words, like it might be spiritually based, but it's affecting my mind so much that but things are out of whack. Out of whack. Whereas now, if I can get maybe some medication to get myself stabilized for a little bit, then I'm able to not have to worry about the mental side of things, you know, physically, and then I could start working on myself spiritually and then get better that way. And then mm-hmm. I can wean off the meds. And I guess, and I also, now that you say that, the thing about it, it's like, it's just a form of you taking care of yourself. Right. Exactly. So go on. I say, I remember when we had uh, an episode kind of where we talked about, you know, how mental, spiritual, and physical health kind of all work off of one another right. kind of thing. So, I mean, if one is really hurting, then it's going to have an impact on the others. It's going to be a catch-22 situation for you. Yeah. You need to get, if you can get two of those three stabilized pretty well, then you can work on that third one. But if you have two of them in a bad condition, eventually that third one's going to collapse too. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a really weird situation but like i said yes it is very much possible that it could be just a spiritual thing okay you're fighting something you don't want to do something you know that um very possible i will not discount that at all right because i mean i i mean yeah there is a spiritual war i mean going on around mm-hmm. us all the time so yeah and and like like we talked about spiritual mental physical they're all interlinked more than we would care to <laughs> admit. Yeah. Care to admit. And we, when one is impacted, the others are impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's one of those things that I, I, like I said, I get what he's talking about in this chapter here, but I, I, I put my little caution label on it. Like I get it, but let's be realistic in the fact that now we have, you know, what, Almost 50 years later, right? Almost 50 years later, we've learned a lot more about mental health and people have been addressing it a lot more recently. What? Why are you grimacing? Oh, it's just a distraction from the real issue at heart. You know, (laughs) unfortunately, that is an argument though (laughs) that people make. I know. So trust me, I've heard it all. I have heard it all, sir. Have you heard it? You haven't heard it all yet. We'll see. There's time. New stuff. Oh, gosh, darn it. That was one thing, too. It was such a stupid thought I had. Is anything really new, or is it just always been, in a sense, in existence? We just discovered it. Okay, that's stupid. Anywho, next. But, but, (laughs) but, but, so, but to answer your question, you know, like, because you're asking, like, oh, in the old times, did they have things, you know, to do it or whatnot? Don't know. Yeah. They might have, like, there's research into, like, using psychedelic mushrooms to, treat depression that maybe they use something like that in the past don't know man but these could trip on shrooms back then but we can't now (laughs) but but these current things of like ssris and that they definitely didn't have anything that was an ssri no do you know what an ssri is selective (laughs) serotonin reuptake inhibitor yeah there's that definitely was not around back then (laughs) so serotonin is the chemical in your brain that allows you to actually stay mentally kind of stable emotionally Mm -hmm. and the ssri essentially prevents your body from absorbing it so that way you have 
enough in you to stay stable mentally. There's going to be a song I'm, I'm imagining you have heard. Um, I want I'm I'm, about, I'm gonna look it up and I'll show it to you afterwards. But yeah, so there's a song that is about the serotonin. It's like I'm running low on serotonin, da, 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 all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll play. I was like, I'd imagine you've heard it, so I'll play it for you later and see if you've heard it. But uh, yeah, when I heard that song, I was like, oh, they're talking about brain stuff. It's like, yeah. Nice. <sighs> it's a mat. It's interesting. As soon as I type that into the search bar, I found some stuff. I don't know if it's whatever it is, but yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll check on that later. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, back to the book. <laughs> yeah, the book. Yeah, it's, yeah, we got this. Yeah. Yep. So he he goes then and talks about how you know, basically, don't don't dwell on these things. He goes because what person, normal person, nostalgically dreams of manure. Well, as you matter society, say, but he was around till 2020. So yeah, but he didn't update the book. So. No, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so then we go on and we continue on to the wonderfulness of this book. And he says something that is profound here at the start of page 26. Okay. A little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. And he, and he, emphasizes this with a couple points. He goes, one can know a great deal about God without much knowledge of him. So what's the difference between of and about? Well, from my first reaction, the whole thing, it's, I mean, it's, it's like the head knowledge versus the, like like the whole, I don't know how the head versus the heart kind of knowledge, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I guess kind of going back to where he was talking about like why uh, being puffed up by the knowledge of, the, of well, I guess it would be about God. Like you know a lot and you have a lot of book knowledge and smarts about it, but you don't have that inner like personal connection and knowing. So I look at it this way. Knowing about God. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it down to human form. Okay. Knowing about Aaron Johnson, his favorite color is orange, or one of his favorite colors, I should say. Aaron, he likes his motorcycles and his drums and his guitars. Okay. <gasps> These are things that are known about you, right? Knowing what? of Aaron would be why is orange one of his favorite colors? Right. Why More. does he like this motorcycle brand over the other? Why is he such a fan of this particular drummer named Matt? Yes, it's more of the reasons of why he is it's, how he is. It's actually knowing you personally. Right. As opposed to, this is a fact and data sheet about Aaron Johnson before we go arrest him. This is what he did. I yeah. don't know why, but this is it. <laughs> yep. Hmm. And then he continues on. He goes, you know, one can know a great deal about godliness without much knowledge of God. In other words, you can know all the rules. Mm-hmm. But you don't know God still. So on page 27, this is, I'll just read this and then we'll discuss it. Okay. The question is, can we say simply, honestly, not because we feel that as evangelicals we ought to, but because, because it is a plain matter of fact that we have known God and that because we have known God, the unpleasant trees, unpleasantness we have had or the pleasantness we have not had 
through being Christians does not matter to us. If we really knew God, this is what we would be saying. And if we are not saying it, this is a sign we need to face ourselves more sharply with the difference between knowing God and merely knowing about him. Giving you a moment to digest that. My my brain. It is a very long sentence. My brain's slow. So that whole thing was just two sentences. Yeah. I don't like how this is written. (laughs) Written in British styles and sensibilities. So I guess my question is this. Because he goes, because we have known God, the unpleasantness we have had or the pleasantness we have not had through being Christians does not matter to us. I don't like, yeah, I didn't like because, oh, so the unpleasantness we've had or the, ple- I, it, I, okay, yeah, so I get, I, words, I do get that. It's the, the, the pain that we've gone through and then the things that, wait, so, and then the pleasant, the things that we want. Mm-hmm. As far as things on earth, we have not had. Like, we, some of us haven't had all the comforts that, like, oh, that would be so cool to get, or all that kind of funsy, funsy, fancy stuff. And But then also with all the hurt that we've experienced. I mean, as a Christian, does that matter to me? No. I guess, yeah, no. Why would you have... So I had three words, but I'm I'm, I'm going to expound upon them here. Okay. Okay. The, literally, I had these three words, and you can check my notes if you want to. Is this bull? Is this? <laughs> it, it, and here's why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's why. And, and I I get what you're saying, and I haven't fully made up my mind on this okay. statement yet. So th- this th- that's why I said is this bull because I'm still deciding. I'm still contemplating i'm still thinking on this because so he goes because we have known god the unpleasantness we have had okay and that unpleasantness can be anything right um that could be a a a deep issue you know right it could also be a minor issue doesn't Mm -hmm. matter and that because um or the pleasantries that we have not had now that one i'll agree with a lot more on Mm -hmm. um because I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't have all these things. That's fine. Whatever. Um, through being Christians does not matter to us. It's the unpleasantness we have had, for one. that gets okay. me. And here's why. And here's why I say that. And it's not so much that I'm like, oh, I've had these things that have happened. Oh, she's always God, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, I look at it more along the lines of those things that go on, those unpleasantness things. Right. However you want to put it. The reason I say in my mind partially that goes, well, maybe it still does matter is not because I'm upset or like, well, why did you let me do, go through this, God? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I've went through this or am going through this or will go through this in the future. Because <laughs> right. life is not guaranteed to be easy, right? No. Well, it's not going to be. You're right. The only reason I say I, I'm contemplating like does it matter or not is not because I'm like, feel shafted or insulted or anything like that, it's important because that's part of my testimony that I can then use for others. And I think that, you know, when I talk to others, maybe going through the same thing or similar thing mm-hmm. may help me connect. And in that way, I'm like, because this goes back to that whole concept of, do you meditate on dung sort of thing, <laughs> you know, deal. It, it, so it's going back and reaching back to that. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, no, I don't meditate on it, but it is a part of me. And it is something that can be used to bring glory to God if used in the right capacity. 
So that's what I'm like. I, 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 I sit there on that, and this is maybe where some of that Calvinism, Arminianism fight in me is going on with this book. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I was like, I, I get the pleasantries we have not had. Fully on, I'm, I'm bored with that. You know? But it's the unpleasantness we have had. Because when done right, when used right, it could be highly beneficial for someone else as well. So is that what I guess I'm wondering? Is that what he's trying to get across there? Yeah, I, and I don't know. Um, th- that's because I just figure, regard, I, I, yeah, just um, for where I took it, or I guess where my mind took it was. It's, I mean, it's just literally saying no matter how good or how bad of things we have in here. Um, it's like it. We're fine with whatever it is we go through, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. See, um, if it was that simplistic, right? I would agree with it, but my mind's yeah. not thinking that simplistic because here's why. Because uh, down below the evidence of knowing God, right? Right. Okay. He says, when people know God, losses and crosses cease to matter to them. What they have gained simply banishes these things from their minds. I'm like. That that's where you know he's continuing on like basically like oh yeah you had this whatever it's gone from your mind I'm like eh, is it hmm you know it, it it's not a this this little chunk in isolation it's this chunk with the rest of the chapters where I'm kind of I guess me personally getting hung up a little bit right okay because again I'm going to come back to. I'm not trying to use an excuse, but I'm just using it as an example, right? You know, for the longest time, the longest time, October to December was just a pure living nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, but that loss, that cross, that whatever never left my mind. I wish it would have. I wish it really would have, but never did. It still doesn't, but I've learned now how to cope with it. Okay. You know, and that's what I'm yeah. like. I'm like, I wish it was as simple as this. That's that's kind of where my hang up is, if I'm being honest. Right. Huh. But that's what I said. I, I'm still not fully like decided on it and how I feel about that. You know, that mm-hmm. statement, these kind of statements taken together. Right. I, I, I think I get what he's going at here. But at the same time, it's going to take me a little more time to process and think on it. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to well, agree guess, with me at oh, all. Well, you no, can I'm, you can fully yeah. disagree. You can no, fully disagree. Because I see what you're saying when I guess like when you started to explain it more, I guess I was just seeing it as a much more simplistic just kind of thing. And see, whereas my brain is trying to cross connect the chapter as a whole. Right, yeah. And I my brain is not that complex to do that. At least not yet. <laughs> Because yeah, I I I'm, I was literally just reading it as, well, no matter how bad or how good things get here, it's fine. Like I guess that's not I'm not con, not concerned on now. Do I want things to get super bad? No, 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 but no. One ever nobody does. ever does, right? Yeah, but it's like I would hope at the end of the day, if 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 it's um if it's related to or has to do with like Christ and the, that matter, and that's why I'm suffering. All right, let I guess let me suffer, but right, like in, in that regards, like it's eh, if and when I'm suffering, 
Oh, I, I yeah. might be crying and whining like a little baby a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a big baby during during but, the uh, time it's never pleasant, right? No, I get that. Right. It, so it, it's the reflecting afterwards sort of deal. It's like it's okay. I guess that's to look at what. And I guess that is one of the wonderful things of Christ coming down in human form is where he had to go through. I mean. There's nothing he hasn't been through that right. he can't relate to with us. Right. So in that regard, that is that that's is a little encouragement to be like, all right, do this. <laughs> yep. And I'll fully admit, you know, I'm not a theologian by trade, so you know, these are just my thoughts on it, you know. Right. And and, and I wrote on here, uh, that whole segment is like when people know God losses and crosses cease to matter and i just wrote really <laughs> that's what i wrote to myself i was like really as a thing of i need to think on this one yeah no absolutely as far as like yeah ceasing to matter it's like yeah i guess that so you know that that's part of his thing of saying evidence of knowing god mm-hmm. that being said the next two tests notice i said the next two um because <laughs> uh, yes. there's three tests I'm like, oh yeah, the next two are, are all great. Oh, uh, four or whatever. There's I, at least there's at least three. Four. There's four. Four. Yep. The third one I have issue. Well, I have a comment on, not issue with a comment on. Uh, so like the first one, those who know God have great energy for God. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Those who know God have great thoughts of God. Yes, I I have no qualms with that one at all. No. Those who know God show great boldness for God. On the surface, yes. I On the surface, like if I just read that one line, I'd be like, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So where does he? Now, now like I said, I have a comment. I, I don't fully disagree. I'm not like, oh, this book, throw it in the fire. Right. Whatever. Burn it. <laughs> I'm getting over what his overall idea is here. Right. right. Okay. So... Uh, what is it here? This uh, Oh, it's the last paragraph of this. This was precisely the spirit of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, the, what he's talking about before is them not bowing down to the statue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the We must obey God rather than men. Yeah. Okay. It is the spirit of all who know God that they may find the determination of the right course to take agonizingly difficult, but once they are clear on it, they embrace it boldly and without hesitation. It does not worry them that others of God's people see the matter differently and do not stand with them. Were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the only Jews who declined to worship Nebuchadnezzar's image? Nothing in the recorded words suggests that they either knew or in the final analysis cared. They were clear to what they personally had to do, and that was enough for them. By this test, we also know the measure of our knowledge of God. So that's what he writes in his book, right? Okay. I wrote... In, in in general, I get it. I get what he's getting at, and I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm just have a comment. Okay, I'm just commenting. Um, I said I get this, but to the extreme, it can be dangerous. If you are taking a stand alone, and other believers are urging caution, and you go, "Nah, I know what to do," and you go alone, and I'm gonna stubbornly do it alone. Danger ahead. 
Oh, okay. That's what well, I said. To yeah, the going, ex- that's what I said. To the extreme. Yeah, right. To the extreme. I, I'm not saying in general it's bad. I'm just saying to the extreme, you, you got to be careful if you if other believers around you are giving you caution. Right. Well, yeah. Again, yeah. So in that instance, it's being other people that share the same belief as you are warning you against something versus yeah. obviously in this situation, everyone's just bowing down to. Obviously, a right, false you guy. know, and that and that's the example he uses, and, right? And I go, you know, the argument of using Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. the only as the only Jews that refuse to worship the image, it, it, to me, honestly, it's a bad argument. Um, it's not stated if this is the case or not that they were the only ones, it, which he it obviously applies, mm-hmm. right? While this isn't true, while this is true of important things such as, hey, Aaron, guess what? You got to bow down to that. Golden no. calf over there, right? Um, like I wrote here, think worshiping another god. Yeah. But what happens when this is misapplied? This is a danger. When I say misapplied, I'm I'm not talking about worshiping another god. I'm talking about, oh, you, and I'm trying to skirt around some things here. Um, you know, like okay, like oh, the rest of you voted no, but I want to do this, and we're going to do it anyway. And then they go and do it. Right. You know, that's, that's why I said misapplied extreme. That's where it's a danger. That's where it's just need to be careful. Right. So I would say, yes, that test is good, but keep in mind extremes of it can be bad. It's not a always steadfast. Right. True. I oh. guess that is a very, as far as like this example is very just basic, no duh. Yeah. Kind of. It's the basic no duh kind of example, but at the same time, you have to be careful because no duh examples can be used for a lot of things. Right. Yeah. And that and that's why I said that's my comment, not my criticism right. of it. Mm-hmm. Or that uh the last test, which is those who know God have great contentment in God. Which I was like, Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that. And this is where I have my amen written out. Okay, where do you have your amen written? I just out? like the little like the poemy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that a lot. Lord, it belongs not to my care whether I die or live. To love and serve thee is my share. And this thy grace must give. If life be long, I will be glad that I may long obey. If short, then why should I be sad to soar to endless day? It's like, ooh. Mm. I like that second half. I was like, hot diggity. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, just goes to Paul's saying to live as Christ and to die as gain. Gotcha. Much. So you, so just so you know, that is a hymn. That's a hymn? Yep. Oh. I wonder if maybe this was originally a poem that then turned into a hymn. Because I don't see that, Lord, it belongs not to my care verse. Unless there's different versions. Right, maybe. The second part's the main part I really like. Yeah, so. that that <laughs> that is the verse one of the hymn. Oh. It's called "Lord, It Belongs Not to My Care." Nice. Uh, Richard Baxter was from as an Anglican priest from 1615 to 1691. He lived. Wow. So. Oh. Wow. He turned. He coined the term "mere Christianity," which C.S. Lewis adopted for his classic work. Wow. Wow. All right, so that ends chapter two, sir. Wow. Why, wow, 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 wow. Flying through this, you know? Yeah. 
See, not as not as painful as you thought, huh? Oh, that's painful. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of User Words Podcast, where we cover chapters one and two of J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. Part two will come out in two weeks, and we'll be covering chapters three and four. And then we should be doing about one episode a month going forward, covering two to three chapters each month. Thank you, and see you next time.